Our scripture reading today is from Exodus 17, 8 through 16. The Malachites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steadily steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with a sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll and something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it. Because I, am, I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it the Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Thank you, Connie. Uh, Doug, we appreciate you sharing and reminiscing a little bit. Also, I'll take a moment to share. Twenty years ago, uh, Mike and Dasha Medley were married in this sanctuary. Mike tells me it was the last wedding that they had real wax candles. Because it was so hot in here, the candles just began to droop and bend over. But, praise God, we got some air conditioning now, and uh, we are doing well. Dash has said this arrangement here in the center was from her wedding day that she saved and uh, dusted it off a little bit and wanted to share it with us. So take time to congratulate Mike and Dash on your way out today. Over the next few weeks, I will be sharing a little sermon series that I want to come up with. It's a variety of scripture passages about prayer and different individuals. Uh, today about Moses and this battle. Next week, two weeks, we're going to be about David and the 23rd Psalm, and, and we'll continue on into August there. But sharing about prayer, passages about prayer, praying people, different situations that needed prayer, and how God was at work in each and every situation, even though it may not have been seen and maybe it wouldn't, wasn't exactly what they wanted. But more prayers, more prayers, please. More prayer. Have you ever asked that of anyone? Would you pray for me? Maybe one thing that we ask once in a while, but have you ever gone back to that person and said, more prayers, please, more prayers. We should and you should and and I need to as well. I have, I've got family members that I turn to. I I turn to my dad, I turn to my Aunt Mana. I can give them a call at any time and say, I need more prayer. Need more prayer about an old situation or a new situation or even myself. But as a pastor, I'm praying for you if you ask for it or not. Lucky for you, right? But as your pastor, again, I ask for your prayers. Would you continue to pray for me and for the leaders of this church and each committee? Would you continue to pray for the ministry that is taking place and the ministry opportunities that are before us? Would you pray? Retired Pastor Pastor Bill Hybels from the Willow Creek Community Church there in Chicago 
He, he said this, and I quote, When we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. Let me say that again. When we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. Doesn't that sound better? God working first and before us and ahead of us. Even though that, many times we get it backwards, don't we? We get going and working with our hands and doing this, planning this. And then all of a sudden we're out here in no man's land. We don't know how we got there other than that we got ahead of God, right? We got ahead of God's plan. So we got to get back. We got to get back to God and let God work. We got to get back to making sure that we are praying for all things in all situations. Yes, they're skeptics. Always has been, always will be. They will always argue that prayers being answered is only a coincidence. Only a coincidence. By chance, by happenstance. But there was an English archbishop that as he observed prayers being answered, he said, and I quote, It is amazing how many coincidences occur when one begins to pray. End quote. Kind of reminds me of old Hunt's story as well. This man had a family. They were hungry. So he had to go to the woods with his old shotgun and with only three shells. That's all he had. They were poor. They were hungry. They needed food and didn't have any more money to buy any more shells. So he had to make the most of those three shots. So as he continued and got into the woods a little ways, he began, there went a rabbit. And as that rabbit's coming in front of him, he shoots and he misses. And that's not normal for him to miss, but he missed this rabbit. Now he continues on and he's just a little bit more discouraged as he continues on because now, what? He's down just to two shots. Two shots to find and shoot and get something to feed his family. He's really discouraged. But he hears a voice. A voice speaks to him and it says, Pray first, aim high, and stay focused. And then all of a sudden, up ahead of him, he sees there in the tree, there was a turkey. Oh man, wouldn't that turkey taste good right now? The family would love for him to bring a turkey back. But again, he begins to aim at the turkey. But then all of a sudden, over here, he sees there's a deer. Oh, that deer would be so much more meat for the family and last them for a lot more time. So as he begins to bring the gun down off the turkey to go to aim at the deer, he hears a noise. And he looks down there between his legs is a rattlesnake. A rattlesnake getting ready to strike him. Shaking, nervous, and scared, he begins to bring the gun down because he's not going to—he's not going to lose his life. If this rattlesnake, then who's going to feed his family? But as he's bringing the gun down, he hears the voice again. The voice says, "Pray first, aim high, and be confident." So the man, nervous, but yet listening to the voice. He takes the gun and he aims towards the turkey and he shoots. 
And when you know it, the bullet hits the turkey, but bounces off the turkey, hits the deer. And as he shoots, the gun falls apart, and the butt of the gun falls down, kills the snake, knocks him off his feet, and he falls in the pond. And he gets himself gathered up and out of the pond. He's got fish in his pockets. He's got a dead turkey and a dead deer and a dead snake. Are we willing to pray first? Are we willing to pray before we do anything? Are we willing to keep our head up and aim high and keep our focus on God? Because a snake's always going to be there. The snake is Satan. He's always going to be there ready to strike us. To make us retreat. To make us use up our energy. To consume any momentum that we may have on a project or doing something for the Lord. The snake, Satan's going to be there. But when we pray first, when we pray first, before we do anything, you know what happens? We're not looking at the snake. We're not giving the snake any attention. We're not letting Satan have a, have a foothold or become a ruler when we give him an inch. We're staying focused on God Almighty. And when we're focused on God Almighty, we know that the snake has been defeated. The snake has no power. Yes, it causes fear and worry. It causes us to stop and retreat. But let's keep our eyes on the Lord as we go forward. And the snake will have no, no leverage. So church, I want you, I want each committee, I want each Sunday school class, each group, the Autumn Fest planners, the youth group, the women of faith, the women's fall Bible study, the youth, and everyone, let us pray. Let us make sure we are praying before we do anything. Let's make sure we're starting each day as an individual in prayer. Now Moses, he didn't have a shotgun that we know of, but he had something even better. He had the staff of God. Not just a twig and not just a stick, but it was the staff of God. Some translations will call it a rod. The rod may give it more of a perception of power and strength. The rod, staff, he carried it. It was of God. And either way, he used it. He was confident in that staff because it was of God. And so I want you to begin to gain some confidence through this. So I want you to repeat after me. The staff was, the staff was of, God. of God. And God is, and God is with, me. with me. Amen. Let's believe it. Moses found out that if he did not keep his hands up in the air with that staff of God, the Israelites began to lose the battle. Was that a coincidence? Was that some coincidence? Absolutely not. It was not a coincidence that the Amalekites came, the Amalekites attacked, and the Israelites were there in the deserts. The Amalekites, they were descendants of Esau and the Idiomites. They were bad guys, bad people. They were mean, fighting warriors. They meant business. They took no prisoners. They were enemies. This attack on Israel was unprovoked. And the Lord even seen this attack as heinous. 
And if you read verse 14, 15, 16, the Lord said, I will completely blot out the memory of the Amalekites. I will blot, blot out their even existence. But he was using Moses and his people. And as we read, Moses calls Joshua, Joshua, come. Joshua comes and he says, Joshua, you choose some men. Moses just said some men. He did not tell him who to choose. He didn't say choose the young men. He didn't say choose the best warriors. He didn't say choose the uh, uh, snipers or the best fighters. He said, Joshua, get some men. Get them now. And let's go and we're going to fight. And Moses said, as you get these men, I have the staff of God. And I will hold it high in the air. And I will pray. And I will pray for God to pour out courage. I'll pray for God to pour out coordination. And I'll pray for God's supernatural protection over the Israelites' troops. These men you choose, Joshua, I will be praying over and for, and God will see us through this. So what did Joshua do? Did he drag his heels and drag his feet and kick stones? Now I've got to do something for the boss again. Pastors asked me to do something. I wonder what to do. I never want to do something. No, Joshua's like, he's he's a go-getter. He's the type of guy that you want on your team. He goes and he gets the men. Joshua believed in Moses as the leader. Joshua believed in that staff, that that was a staff of God. Joshua was all in. He was all in. He believed in the leadership. He believed God would hear the prayers of his leader. He believed God would hear the prayers of Moses. Joshua leads the men into battle, just as he was told. Moses, Aaron, and Hur go to the top of the hill, and Moses holds his hands up, holds the staff of God high in the air, and the Israelites are winning. But he gets tired. He grows tired, and I kind of remember this. You won't believe this, but it's as true as true can be. In my seventh grade year, playing football, I was the center. I was the man that got the ball every offensive play, but my hand was on the ball. And I was down like this. My hand was on the ball, waiting for the quarterback to say, hut, hut, and I was the one hiking the ball. Yes, the smallest person on the team. Shortest, skinniest, but yet I had the heart. I was willing to block for my team that meant I got to play. It meant I got to play because I was willing to block. Now I had awesome dreams of being the quarterback. I had great dreams of being over here, being the running back, or being out there as a wide receiver catching that ball. But no, my job became the guy that hiked the ball. But also, remember, we had a night game, the lights are on, and everybody's excited. It was a small school called North Union, and we traveled there. Went over there, it was just awesome playing experience. And I remember, we're down at the goal line, and I had that moment of hiked the ball and stood up and watched. I wanted to see what was happening. Instead of doing my job of knocking people down so the run could get into the end zone, you know, we're right on the two-yard line. 
I stand up for a moment to be a spectator. You think that went over well? You think somebody got yelled at? Absolutely. Think you remember that for next time? Absolutely. Moses had a moment where he got tired and he became a spectator. He's like, man, how, how's my guys doing? He took his eyes off God. He quit praying. He wanted to check out his men. How's Joshua doing? How many is Joshua wiping out? Oh, man, who did he get? Oh, yeah, that, that's Joe. And, oh, he picked up Andy. And, oh, man, he picked some good guys out. And then all of a sudden, Moses, Aaron, heard they had this light bulb moment. We get our butts kicked. We're not winning anymore. So they gather around Moses. Moses gets his arms up there, gets his staff up there. Aaron on one side, her on the other. And they're there holding. And guess what? They began to pray like they never prayed before. Amen. You bet they did. It was not time to get tired. It's not time to be a spectator. It's time because this was no game. This was life and death. This was serious business. And it was Moses' people that were going to die if he didn't get in gear and be the leader that God called him to be. Yes, Aaron and her wanted to help out, but they knew Moses was the called leader. They knew that they were there to help him. That he was the one that had God's staff. He was the one that had to hold it up. Not someone else. This was no coincidence. Moses kept his hands up and the staff above his head. They were winning. That very day, what did Moses learn? Moses learned that God's prevailing power is released through prayer. That's right. God's prevailing power is released through prayer. And I hope that you hear that and I hope you believe it because I will say it again. More prayer, please. Who wouldn't want God's prevailing power? Who wouldn't want more of God being released in their life and in their church and in their community? God's prevailing power is released through prayer. Yes, I have experienced God's prevailing power. I've experienced His presence in the Holy Spirit in my life and in my family and ministry and making leadership decisions. And often, I'm always saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for leading me in that way. Thank you for that decision. God's power is no cookie cutter, one size fits all for all people, or all churches, or all ministries. God provides what is needed, whatever it is needed. He knows and He provides wisdom, courage, confidence, change of attitude, maybe a miracle, maybe a financial windfall. But it's all within God's prevailing power when we pray. And that prevailing power is released in the lives, in the lives of the people that make up the church. Lives of people who pray, churches who pray. But there is a flip side, always is, always a flip side. God won't release that power. He won't release it in your life or in your church if we're sitting on our hands or we keep our hands in our pockets. If we're not invested, if we're not active in worship, we're not active in prayer or devotion, God's not going to be in our planning. 
He's not going to be in the development of spiritual growth. He's not going to be in the development of an expanding congregation or children's ministry. He's not going to be in it if we're not praying. And I don't believe that's where we want to be. God does not bless the church that does not pray. God's not going to bless a church we're not willing to trust and step out in the name of Jesus and however he calls and whatever way he shows himself and the answers that he does give us. Because when we sit on our hands, when we're happy with the way things have always been, those things scare me. Visitors come back and say, oh, nothing's changed. And I say, hey, I know my heart and mind. There's things that have changed. Those leaders that have led Doug to where he is today, that foundation, you know, we, we need new leaders doing that for our children are up here right now, don't we, Doug? We, we, these children need you to do what those people did for Doug. We've got to be their foundation with Jesus Christ, his word, leading him, or the world's going to take them off in another direction, like it's got everybody else going in nine different ways, confused more than ever. Lack of prayer, lack of Jesus, lack of power. That's not where I want to live. It's not what I want to be a part of. And I ask you for more prayer. And I pray that it's not, that's not where you want to be either. Because being a pocket stuffer, being a taker, enjoying the ride, being committed to the daily grind, being overcommitted, underrested. Some people are overrested because they don't do anything. Lack of scripture reading, lack of devotion, lack of prayer. I don't like the sound of forever powerless. That's not where I want the church to be. And I don't want you to be there either. A prayerless people and a prayerless nation, they cut themselves off of God. We cut ourselves off of God's way, His presence, His power. We cut ourselves off of God's peace. Because what does prayer do? It gets the focus off ourselves and off the problem and off the world. gets us focused on God. And there's just something when you intimately pray that there's a sense of peace. Yeah, you still got all these things in your life that are in turmoil. You got all these people over here still in conflict. But you're right here in Jesus. There's some peace in here. There's a peace it goes without understanding because it's from the Lord. So as the people of God, let's look to God first before the battle comes, before there is conflict. Let's live in God's peace and strength as we pray so that we're ready for the battle. We're ready together so that your leader's ready so the leaders has all the strength that they need. The support people have the strength that they need for the leader. And the body has the strength for all people. And it's flowing back and forth in the name of Jesus.
Scripture tells us. Psalm 29:11, "The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace." Another reason to pray. Moses had made this connection between prayer and God's power. Moses spent that time in prayer for God's involvement in that battle. Even though his arms were tired, the men came around him. Aaron and Hur, they joined him. They helped him. They set a stone down so that he could sit down, and they held up his arms. They prayed like they never prayed before. What a picture. The leader, Moses, being supported by another two men in a prayer to see their, their men, to see their fellow men defeat the enemy. As I shared before, Satan's always going to be there. And we're going to be in this battle for the rest of our lives until Jesus comes or your ticker quits ticking and your lungs quit taking air. We're going to be in this battle. We're still called to be the church. We're still called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So once again today I ask, as you get this picture of Moses being supported by these men, these men caring and wanting to help to keep the power of God flowing down upon the Israelite troops, Join me with increased prayer. Praying for yourself, praying for each other, praying for this church. I do pray that these messages over the next few weeks will be 100% from God, Holy Spirit inspired, and that it will increase maybe your prayer life. Maybe you'll get your prayer life restarted or started for the first time. Maybe you'll get your prayer life in a more active consistent, routine, daily prayer. I'm leaving that up to God and up the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to be calling, texting, checking on you. Hey, you pray today? I'm just going to be praying for you and saying, Holy Spirit, go to work. Let me remind you, God's ears are always wide open for you and His peace and His powers they are yours. It is ours for the asking. That peace and power. And I pray that we would be asking and we would live into it. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, we need your help today. We need your help to be firm on your teaching firm on your word, firm in your ways, so that we can be the light that is shining in this world and that it is the light of Christ. Nothing fake or artificial, nothing out of our humanness or our human abilities, that it is the light of Christ shining as we live and share the gospel message to this world in which we live, this community up and down these country roads and streets and to wherever we work, wherever we spend our time. Lord, may we spend time in prayer before we go forth. So Lord, thank you for having your ears open. 
Thank you for providing the peace and power that is there for the asking. Oh, Lord, may we be excited to be doing your work in the name of Jesus, now and forever. Amen.